How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. You're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 10. Episode 10. Decade old now. That's oh. uh, keeping the jokes going. Uh, keeping them coming. That's what we call a throwback joke, Jake. Yeah, a long-running history of jokes Congratulations, and two and a half months. Yeah, That's wow. That's pretty sweet. Nah, we're doing all right. We're doing With good. our second director's corner coming up later in the show. Yeah. Gotta uh, love it. No, yeah, and it was your it. Po- your pick this that week. was my pick. Ooh, sneaky, sneaky Jake pick. That's going to be <laughs> a lot of fun, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How you been, Jake? I've been all right. This is a long week. Such a long week. It's, they tend to be long, but this week in particular is it's a big week. Yeah, it was a bit of a slog, admittedly, this last week, but we, we got through it. We, we got we're... through it. We made it to the other side of life. Yeah. We're here on episode 10. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, smiles you go. go for miles, as they say. So, I've never heard that before. That's an expression. Yeah. Well, really? Yeah, I've never heard of it before. Well, there you go. Now you've heard Smiles, it now. Smiles, what, go miles. We're bringing the, the, the new metaphors and sayings. Yeah, you learn something new every day. That's what you're listening to on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. did you watch any films in this last week for this film podcast, Jake? Uh, <laughs> no. No, nah, I did. Oh, I watched, I mean, I obviously I rewatched our film of the week, mm-hmm. having already like seen it. But I did watch one that you have also seen. In fact, it was basically your recommendation. I watched Tower. You watched Tower. Yeah. Now, Tower is filmed 74 for this week, from the highlights from the past week for me, and is also currently sitting at number one in the grading. Number one. It knocked off, after 73 consecutive films, (laughs) it knocked off Inside Lewin Davis. Oof. And it's sitting on a 9.25 out of 10 for me. Oh, big... Yeah, hot take right there. It is obviously um, Jack also was recommending it a lot mm-hmm. to you, and we love the film. We think the film's it's probably one of the the most innovative documentaries I've seen. It in definitely has, years. yeah, the most like one of the most unique ways of using, I guess, in a sense, B roll and uh, that that kind of mm. footage to kind of carry you through the film. It's definitely one of the more uh, innovative uh, tests. Or yes. experiments, really. Mostly animation. So what, what, what? what's the verdict, Jake? I mean, I definitely appreciate it. I don't think I loved it nearly as much as you or Jack. You two seem to absolutely adore this film. Yeah. Um, I definitely found it quite impressive and interesting. It definitely, you know, especially, especially for us two and especially you who very much into making documentary, mm-hmm. I can see how this would be quite inspirational in the sense that it it just makes you think about docos differently. How can I tell this story in that way? Exactly. I think it um, puts a, it puts a uni- like you always try and innovate and you always try. And I know, especially last year when we tackled our f- like our first short documentary, mm-hmm. Jack and I. I mean, we, I mean, I you were there when we were making. It, I was like, there, and I made mine as well. But and, yeah, yeah, and how it hasn't come out to public yet, and it will. Probably in the next month or two, but we'll save that for a save that save for a, a bit later in the show section. Um, but how we approached our documentary with like a mm. unique color palette idea—that's right, yeah—and how we wanted to tackle it that way. And I think this documentary took what could have been a quite a by the numbers documentary, mm. which is horrible to say given what the documentary is about, which is about the uh, University of Texas Tower shootings in 1966, but. A lot of documentaries that fall on traumatic incidents tend to... They're quite samey and... 
Well, yeah, they go with the formulaic they revelation. formula way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they didn't choose to do that. They chose to do it in a way that it's impossible never to forget this documentary. Mm. Just by f- visually. What visually, it, what the it style does. that it decides to go about and the fact mm. that it kind of does it with respect to the Absolutely. event and what, like, the, the victims and everyone who's involved in this documentary. So and I found that really interesting. It almost clashes. It's funny because we've seen films adopt uh, more documentary-style elements in a feature film, mm. like with American Animals. But this one kind of does the opposite. This does... It's a documentary right, that okay. kind of adopts almost a degree of... Not necessarily... It's not a docudrama. I wouldn't call it a docudrama. But it has... Like yeah. real life testimonials, which are then performed by voice actors of a more age appropriate. So, like yeah. the, for instance, the people that are in the interviews are in their you know fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties now, mm. and their testimonials. We're getting the story from their teenage or young adult versions of themselves. So the voice they were voice actors for them. Yeah, but what their lines that they're saying are from them reflecting on the incident. So I think. That was just, especially when eventually it flips and then you oh, see yeah, the real and then life you get the people. Real version and it swaps from like the animation mm-hmm. type of stuff. The um, it was more rotoscoping animation, if anything, and then yeah. they swap to live action interview footage of and, their I mean, present I've, selves. I've seen like, have you seen a scanner darkly? Like, no. Um, so that's another one of those sort of rotoscopy ones. Okay, it's got like Woody Harrelson, Keanu Reeves, got a, quite a big. Uh, which came out about 10, 15 years ago. Oh, wow, okay. Um, I would recommend you give that Actually, a look. I Maybe. think I have heard of it. I think yeah. I do remember, like, yeah, Woody being in it and stuff like that. Yes. Um, and it, it at first it appears that it, they're just trying to be unique for the sake of being unique, but mm. I think with the testimonials in conjunction with the animation recreation, it gives a level of immersion that most documentaries yeah. can't produce because it becomes... And then the B-roll grounds... The well, testimony. Yeah, I think that's the more most impressive part is the way it weaves into. It feels like it's a very clever way of filling in the gaps mm. because you're right. It does eventually use actual B-roll, actual footage from that day, particularly archival the stuff. Four testimonials of the police officers and mm. the store manager who were up that's on right. the balcony. Yeah, and in that final moment, which is you're like on the edge of your. I think mm. I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, and I think. This film has this beautiful way of feeling like it's like simple, but it's not even close to simple. It's got mm. layers on layers of, like, in particular, the music score, the very, very simplistic, but That's quite right, heavy yeah. um, music score, which really carries weight, particularly in those latter scenes. I found myself very immersed in the film. Which... Yeah, it's just the way they kind of repeat the same tracks in certain chunks. Yeah. It was really. Yeah, no, I really liked it. I really would absolutely thing, yeah. recommend it. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a good docker. I know, I know you and Jack enjoyed it way more than I did uh, in the sense that you, you, I mean, you gave what a nine point two five. I did. Like that's insane. That's yeah. like, for what you, it's it's definitely more than uh, seven point seven five. Oh, is that a shot? Well, I had to break no, it to you. There'll never, be a lot of never. a lot of seven point seven fives coming up. Oh um, no! <laughs> so my next film. Yeah, what else have you watched this week? Lost in Translation, Sophia Coppola's That's first right. film. I don't want to. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't checked it. Um, but yeah. that was the first time uh, I got I to watch, watch that. that. And it's one of those films that it's you. It's baffling when you're like, oh, there's this movie with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson, yeah. and you're like, how have I not seen this film? Because it's Bill Murray 
and it's Scarlett, you know, Johansson. So it's yeah. like, and especially a young, she's like, yeah, only this is tw- like early 19, I think film, she eh? was in this film. Yeah, so, wow. And he's in his 40s at that point, I'm pretty sure. Maybe his late 40s. Yeah. So, and it's really good. It's, it's, I really enjoyed it. I'm definitely, I really want to, I'm glad that you liked it because I really do want to watch it in the sense that, um, and the idea is that obviously, um, this film is such an analog to the film Her, which came out almost yeah, a decade that, later. That, that statistic, that, that fact you gave, mm. I loved that because I had no clue. And I didn't, I didn't realize till recently, I was like, oh yeah, um, Johansson's in both these films. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Both playing the female. Sort of role, counter too. in the love interest. Yeah, I didn't like the ending, and I've talked to a couple of people who've seen the film about the ending. I think mm. it loses. It was like it was sitting in the nine out of ten mark, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But the ending brought it. Down, I brought it down to an eight point five. So it actually got. Yeah. I, I really wasn't satisfied. I think what they did, hers ending was way more powerful, more powerful in my opinion than Lost. It'd be really okay. cool for you to watch both because I know you're a big her fan. Yeah, I love her, but yeah. And then have a conversation, maybe do a pit them against each other. It would be interesting. We could definitely utilize it on this podcast, even. Yeah. Maybe one day we could have some sort of interesting kind of dual take episode. Maybe, I don't know. maybe we'll do a but, dual um, take episode, maybe yeah. every now and again. Where but we those like... two films, are, yeah, meant to really complement each other because it's basically two sides of the same breakup. If you're looking at kind of the history and who directed it. I like how we come up like with that. like. All of our ideas seem to come on the show. Yeah. Like, and then we walk away. We're like, that was like a really. I know we were like live and doing like the like saying it on on recording, but they are really good ideas. Yeah, maybe we should pit two films against each other and see what. Dun dun dun. Well, I was thinking of doing that because I want to do on the um. Once this comes out, ten episodes in, I was gonna do like a little vote on the Clicker Productions Facebook page, like, oh, which is your favorite film out of the ten we've discussed or Mm. covered, but. I only just realised yesterday Facebook only lets you do uh, polling for two things at a time. Well, maybe we'll have to do like a bracket thing when we get to yeah. like episode 64. We'll go put all 64 films in like a bracket and yeah, 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 exactly. battle them out. Something like that. i got to figure that one out. But yeah, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I could just do two. I would. We might, we might do some pitting. I would like to do that. I'd like to have a debate and maybe one in, each of us represents one of the parties. Yeah, the that's actually yeah a little debate there. That could like be pretty that. cool. Because in my opinion... I, I'd probably we'd probably both be on the her team for that one. Maybe. Okay. Um, I do think, but Lost I do in have to watch. Yes. Lost in Translation. Um, I watched Thunder Road. That's right. So tell, is, tell us a bit about this, Thunder Road because we we watched the short together. Yeah. So there was like one afternoon last year where you and me were just hanging out and we're just watching short films. Yeah. Really, we just kind of was went that through. last year or this year? That was last year. Wow. Um, and we were just decided. <laughs> We decided we were going to watch a bunch of short films, and then this one came up. Said it won at Sundance, the Grand Jury Prize there. Grand and Jury. The more you actually hear about it, the more it's interesting that Jim Cummins, the guy who made it, submitted it late to Sundance. Oh, really? Too. He overdue submitted it, and he didn't think it would get in. He made the film, Ooh. submitted it late, and then it went on to win that year at Sundance. Wow, that's crazy! So what they um, they just let it in anyway, even though it was late. Yeah, you had to pay like an exorbitant rate to get it in. Oh, okay, but, that's fair enough then. Um, it's a film that was then made into a feature two years later, which I watched the feature, um, and I really enjoyed it. I think I gave it nice. a 8 out of 10. I think I sat it on. Um, I think it's a very powerful film. Um, his performance in it, he directs and is the lead. Oh, okay. Um, yep. It's very strong. It's he's 
uh, it's more fascinating to really read. You've read that article, correct? Yes, that there's he, the article he wrote about making a feature on yeah. a really cheap budget. And he made it for about 200 US, so like 200,000 US. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really good film. Um, very powerful film. The mm. short, in my, I think the short's better than the feature. Okay, like at the, the end of the day. Because I have just, I mean, we literally just wrote about short films and I sat there analyzing the 12 minute short and I think that it's pretty much perfect, mm. you know? Like, it's a really short. great short. Like, it's, it just kind of grabs you from the get go. And yeah, and it, it has this perfect mixture of tragedy and comedy mm. in it. Like, you're kind of laughing. But then you kind of feel really sad for him, and you really just want to give him a hug. (laughs) You just want to give him a hug. So I would, I would. It's, um, it's not quite out yet on DVD. So hopefully, maybe uh, one of these episodes we might do a director's corner and talk about it Mm. because I do think I would like you to watch it. So that's his first feature. eh? That's his first feature. Fair Um, enough. No, I do want to see it because I, I can totally see how the short turns into a feature. I can totally see that. That's the thing. I like how it's. That sort of stuff gives me hope because, and it gives you know, uh, we've talked about how like That's these right, yeah. these origins for short films they go into feature. Cargo was another one, the Tropfest film that got yeah. made into the feature. That's an Australian based oh, even one. Even Monster turning into Babadook again, yeah. Australian Jennifer Kent, you know. So, um, your favorite like, film of all time. Oh, uh, we're not going to talk about the Babadook. Oh, um, <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to pit two uh, two yeah, Australian I was, I was horrors say next that to each early. other. I was like, Babadook's going to be my pick. Whatever. You Babadook do. versus Wolf Creek, maybe. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Oh, um, I watch you on that. I watched now. Like I've said before, I don't like doing stand-up comedy because they are feature length. But yeah, it's, it's at this point, area. I have watched seventy-five films. Sometimes you just need a laugh. <laughs> to put a Stand up in there. So I did Auntie Donna Noon Show, and it was really good. Don't really have much to say about it. Um, the Natural, which was after that, like another Field of Dreams kind of film. Um, enjoyed that. Love Robert Redford. The Dirt. Now, I want to talk about The Dirt, Jake. So The Dirt. The Dirt is new to Netflix right now. Just got released. Netflix film. Um, about... <laughs> God, I got to be sick of this after last year. 2018 must have been the year of just banned biopic films because it's like a ridiculous. We had the Bohemian Rhapsody one, and this one is about Motley Crue. Yeah, and just got released on Netflix, and it's not been getting great reviews. And they're doing one on bloody is it Elton John? They're doing one yes, on now. Yes, Rocketman. Yeah. Um, so it came out on on my feed on Netflix, and I was like, sure, it's 100 minutes. I'll Let's watch it. Let's jump on in. And it kind of does, like, the fourth wall break sort of stuff. It's kind of a bit, like, off. Look, honestly, this film has been getting some really bad reviews. It's, like, I think it's sitting on a 42 on Rotten Tomatoes. Frankly, Mm. it's about as good as Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. It's, It's an adult version of Bohemian Rhapsody, so I liked that it was more... Like actually, what ha- would yeah, have happened? Yeah, yeah. And they all pretty openly talk about their drug problems, but then they do the thing that Bohemian Rhapsody did, and they kind of glorify their characters, even though it's like for Motley Crue, instead of oh, we don't want to look like dickheads, it was we want to look like the most hardcore rock stars on the planet, right? Kind of have that image of the perception. There. Yeah, and there were all EPs on it too. So uh, and that's I, just an issue, man. It's just you can't. It's it's that whole if you go back to Bohemian Rhapsody, you got that famous scene going around now. It's like they have like sixty two or sixty four takes in like a minute long scene. 
And have you? Have no. you? It's gone around ever since it won best editing at the Academy. There's this like once it's the scene where they um, meet at this cafe. They meet um oh, I forget the name, but they meet like that producer guy for the yeah. first time. Um, and that they literally have like sixty two cuts in like a minute. Like it, it actually averages. Uh, shorter cuts than a Michael Bay action scene in That's Transformers. Like it, it was actually quicker than that. It was insane. Um, and I think a lot of that was because they felt the need to cut to every single band member every single time for mm. every single reaction. Well, I think this film definitely suffers a very... There's There are pr- bigger... Okay, so there's probably just as many, if not more, problems in this this dirt. The dirt, I think it's... Um, because the dirt. each character also has to get... Very similar screen time. Yeah. They all have to get about 20 Enough to be confusing to the narrative we're trying to tell. Mm. And in Motley Crue, I would say it's pretty fair to say that it's not on the same level as, as Queen. And yeah. also, Queen's front man was, you know, top of the table. You know, yeah. It's Freddie Mercury. It's a household deserved. name, you know. So, and I honestly couldn't tell you any of the names of Motley Crue people. So it was very confusing that it, I feel like one person was telling a story and they don't have, uh, sim- they have two similar voices. So now, like when they were telling the story and it was changing from characters telling which part of the story, I got confused who was telling the story. Right. Um. So frankly, they didn't they didn't solidify each member of the band like yeah, enough. I feel like at least in Bohemian Rhapsody, all four characters were different enough to be like... Well, they okay. had their own looks and like quirks and stuff, so... So there was enough to differentiate who was talking at the time, but this I couldn't. And frankly, it's very fr- it's a very frustrating film. Mm. It's very like... Uh, it's so in the same league, just not as much budget, obviously, as Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody, but yeah. it, it absolutely is in the same sort of like... Realm. Look how cool we are. Right. Oh, you like Motley Crue songs? Here's some Motley Crue songs. Here's some more for your iTunes So I can't playlist. recommend it. I think I might. Yeah. I haven't given it a proper grade yet, but it's not looking good. And then, of course, today's Don John. Yeah. So that was my, that. That's that. Yeah. No, no it's a solid. It's a solid. There's a bit of more interesting week for you, I think. Yeah. But, um... I mean, it's, it's getting... It's, I've, I've been saying it's very hard to balance every aspect of life and still get a movie in every day. Yeah, no, it's insane um, that uh, you can do Because some, sometimes I wish, I, was, I wish I could just sit down and watch this, 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 this today, and I get that craving too. I was like, I just don't have time. Mm. Like, I really don't. Definitely but, in my off days, I really get like three or four films in just in case I miss a day. Because, yeah. you know, when you spend 15, 16 hours up on campus, you don't want to go home and spend two hours watching a movie. That's the thing, you know, you get tired or you got other stuff you have to do or things come up. It's just tricky. So, no, it's like, it's insane that you've, like, gotten this far. Like, Still going. It's crazy. For now. I think I'm stuck on 30 or 31 now. Yeah, we're talking about you. Literally, though. whatever number I said I was last week, I just add tower to that list. Because, yeah, <laughs> again, crazy. Dungeon I've already seen before. Um, All right, well. Trailer territory now. Yeah, it's going to trailer because a lot of trailers came out last week. Yeah, so, I mean, that's still... Uh, yeah, no, nah, it's um, interesting. Wanted to go through that. I mean, you pretty much just sat down and watched all of them just, right now. Just then, I just yeah, went I for literally... a list because I, I watched them all as they kind of came out last week or two. But as Zeke boy, we had to we had to put them in a seat, well, kind of force like, them to watch. As them. I said before, before <laughs> yeah. the podcast, I, I don't generally watch trailers because, especially for things like, uh, so we we watched the End Game trailer. Yeah, I know I'm going to see End Game. I've already yeah. put myself through Captain Marvel. I might as well just finish the job. <laughs> Um, 
So, and we're all going to go see that together. Yeah, So exactly. it's like, and I know I'm going to see it just because I've earned the right to see that movie, basically, yeah, by watching all like the other films. It so no that's fair enough and isn't the goal of a trailer to sell us on the film now admittedly i probably did need a bit of selling for endgame because did that trailer sell you on it though the very little yeah it did actually be honest i was very kind of because i think it's going back to why people liked the first avengers film it's a smaller cast and i think it is way smaller this time and it's going to really (laughs) benefit (laughs) yeah and i think that's why i don't like Infinity War it was the just too many characters on the on the stage yeah. not like no, there's no learning in that film that film is literally a it's a Deathly Hallows part 1 you know I don't I get Which no is substance I, I really love Deathly Hallows part 1 I think I think from a tonal standpoint it's like one of the actual better films they've done Wow I love it man I think it's such a pointless film It oh. has some really cool oh. No it, I I see what you mean plot wise there's not a lot going on. Not really. And they kind of shot themselves in the foot by doing two parts because that's a book they really could have done in one movie if they really tried. Yeah. Because at this point, know. do we really need any more? If we're going to talk about that part first, like, let's just... I want to leave that on a comment in the sentence that it's like, we already have had six movies with Ron, Hermione, and and Harry. And we're very... We know what these characters are like, the journey they've been on. They're at the end of the journey. Do they really need a movie where they spend at least half the movie where it's just those three characters? Well, I think it works in the context of the seven books. Like, it looks really well. Well, yes, well, the calm before I... the storm. Yeah. But, when... but in the movie, when, yeah, you split into two, I understand that. Yeah. I just really liked how it worked out yeah personally and i think i think I agree it was infinity war is just a means to an end in the sense that it's literally like these characters who clearly aren't gone and everyone who walked out, unless you were a moron you didn't you know <laughs> or you little, walked out of that kid. movie knowing for a fa- or a kid I can't believe a kid cried when drax got fake killed halfway through the movie that's an actual kid in my theater started crying. I was like, you really care about Drax? Everyone in those theaters oh, walked out and knew <laughs> none of those characters were dead, bar like Loki and maybe like Gamora, right? I think, I think, I think Visions and Vision and Loki are definitely dead. Yeah. I don't know about Just because they weren't killed via the stone necessarily. Okay. Yeah. So... I bet, I, bet you, I bet you anybody Endgame opens with, like, all the dust particles, like, collectively getting together in this, like, weird-ass, like, cave. And really they, cool. they all, like, reform a... back. Like, I would love if it was a vacuum cleaner scene. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be really funny. It's, it's, um, it's uh, Stan Lee with the vacuum cleaner. Yes. He's like, i got to clean this cave but up. But I, I think know. that's my, that's my <laughs> like, problem with that film is, like, I know for a fact that either these characters are coming in at the ending of the film or... Like, as one of those, oh, basically, it was all a dream. Bullcrap. I feel like, it, I think the obvious thing with, they're, they're going to kill off, like, Iron Man and Cap and stuff. Like, the original mm. Avengers. I mean, the ones, I don't think they're going to kill Four at this point, because Four's basically just got reinvented. But, yeah. like, I think a lot of the legacy characters are just going to start dying off. And it's going to, like, be that day, trade. Is it really that much different to X-Men Last Stand? Let's ask ourselves. I mean, I never watched X-Men Last oh, Stand. Oh, my Lord. I spared myself um, from that. No, yeah. I, I really do like Infinity War, just because it's so impressive that it works. But does it? I don't think it does work. No, I, I think it... I mean, I've rewatched it actually quite a lot since the since it came out of theaters, but... I just um, don't think it does. I think there are movies... 
there are character showcases for each of the characters that are more impressive in other films. And this one, it's no one... I don't think it's any performance problems. I don't think it's direction. I don't think it's even the script. I just think it's physically impossible to get a good, really good movie out of that film, like an actual movie that's yeah. not... You're going to walk away going, well, I have to spend 40 bucks to get this whole story told to me, basically. Right. No, I, I, I guess it's fair, but it's like I said with Captain Marvel, it's, I've gone to the point where I see it as a big TV show. So that's yeah. why I don't mind that, like, there's not a full three-act structure for mm. every single one of these films. I'm starting, especially the ensemble stuff, I'm really starting, And I also just have a huge love for the the Russos. I think they're... Yeah, amazing directors. Well, I'm so excited for them to do non-Marvel stuff in the tying future. Tying back to the trailer, the trailer did. I was, I'm okay. Admittedly, up until that seeing trailer. that trailer, going into this movie, I probably would have gone in with a very cold shoulder to right. it, right? Very cynically, but it looks cool because it looks like it's. It goes back to why I like things like more like Civil War because at its core, it's a little small, yeah. Well, Civil War isn't a big. Like it's got a lot of characters in it, but when you the story that leads to that big airport fight mm. is essentially Iron Man, Amer- you know, Cap America, Bucky, and Black Panther, really. Yeah, and, it's and even th- that's like to an extent, Black yeah. Panther, yeah. And at the, and that's why the end of the film, when it's just Iron Man, just Bucky, like and Captain America duking it out, you start to realize, oh, this is really a movie with just three characters, and everyone else was just more there as that fanfare, yeah, sort of. No, Airport that's true. scene, yeah, because um, everyone else is so supplementary. I mean, for Christ, they'd like basically get like Hawkeye in just for like. There's so many characters that just get added to that fight like, because Haw- of Hawkeye, Spider Man, Ant Man. Like yeah, none of them have added. any. None of them have any plot resonance. They're just kind of there, yeah, to fill in the. And that's why that film, I think, the stands on. Whereas in Infinity War, every character needed their their bit of screen time to be like they're a part of this, and I think it it suffers. And I think that's why this new one's going to be great because I essentially think yeah. it's going to be a Thanos-America-Iron Man dynamic. Thanos-America. <laughs> no, that's just it. fair enough. Have you, how many time, have you only seen Infinity War the one time in theatres? I saw it twice in theatres. Oh, okay. So twice in theatres and I've seen it once since... Fair enough. Fair it's enough. been out on DVD. Um, so. um, we also watched the Toy Story 4 trailer that came out. Oh, I said this to Jack because Jack was more optimistic about it than me and seemingly you as well mm. when I just gathered because I'm well, still highly optimistic well, you, about nothing the... Nothing my groan was great there. <laughs> no, because I'm... excited. I'm highly optimistic about the film because they've done it to me multiple times where it's like, oh my God, another Toy Story film. And I'm like, holy shit, it's really, really, really good. But the trailer didn't sell me. I'm just like, I don't know. This one didn't sell me. Yeah, I don't... And frankly... I, I think, think it's the way the trailer was that's, edited, that's, not the actual film. That's though. fascinating that those three films didn't sell you before. Because I, in my opinion, I mean, we were both not even born when the first Toy Story came out. First Toy Story yeah. came out in 95. No, I think 96. It, oh, yeah, you're right. I remember way. the Toy Story 2 trailer because that would have 01 or 02. And I remember it getting it got played on like every VHS before, <laughs> before the actual movie started. It was getting there. So... And that, that trailer did sell me. And the Toy Story 3 trailer... But you were also like a kid, though. Yeah. Toy okay, Story well, Toy Story 2. 3, I wasn't a kid. Okay, well... Yeah. And that trailer sold me. And I, I... Well, I don't remember if it was the trailer, but just when they said, we're making a third Toy Story, I was like, are you kidding me? 
like why sort of thing. What's well, fascinating because I think the story wasn't finished in two, and if you look back at all three movies, you can see that there's still pretty much a story to I tell. I think it was because of the gap, though. Yeah, like, it was about decades. We had a, we had a, a fair... real decade, Zeke. That's yes. what a real decade yes. looks like. <laughs> this one, but I think the story ended at three. We really did get a conclusive ending. Yeah, well, exactly. We got this lifespan of these toys with their original owner. Yeah. And that, and they served that, and it was over. And it went full circle. It literally did. This one honestly feels like, like it's just a, a money grab. Because I can tell you this right now. When they made that third movie and they were like, where's Bo? And they were like, well, Bo's gone. They, they weren't going, they oh boy, we've to... got four coming. They're going to be so shocked. Yeah. And No, I... it's fair. And I, me- I remember very early, this is really early before I even think they even came out and said, we're going to do a fourth one. They talked about a love story between Woody and, and, and Bo Peep. And I was like, what, what? And then like a year or two later, they actually came but out and said, we're making a fourth one. They They pretty much... We knew that they liked each other. That was like a pretty constant. That was a pretty consistent thing in the, both the first yeah. and the second film. And then the fact that it hit you so just, hard in yeah. the third film. I loved how they handled it in the third film, where they were like, she was just, she wasn't She's even a gone. throwaway. Like she was actually a legitimizing line for the fact that these toys moved on. They yeah. got moved on, and they have no control over that. And you can see he, and especially when that line gets delivered. He's trying to lift everyone's spirits who's left. Yeah, And then exactly. they, like, kind of backhand him, and he's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, and it really worked perfectly. There's some and great I feel choices like this... in there. They're great films. But... I don't know. I'm, like, looking... I watched that trailer, Jake, and I just am not sold at I did, all. I just didn't... I don't think I... I think my issue with the trailer was the way the trailer was actually... I think it was too big and too long, and I think it just felt a little more corny than Toy Story usually is. Feels very on the nose. I feel like yeah, on the nose. I think yeah, I think that's especially the issue with, with it. just coming off Captain Marvel and talking about how much like feministic criticism that's been getting. Mm. This film feels like it's constructed to sell, and but sell for the wrong reasons. Yeah, in my opinion, and I feel like we're going, and I feel like this one's going to make me groan way more than Captain Marvel is because it's going to be completely rewriting a character. Not for any sort of developmental reason other than... Are you talking about Bo tra- Peep specifically? Yes. Yeah. I'll cut you off and be like... I just feel like with Bo Peep that sh- there was nothing wrong with the way that they constructed her in the first mm. you know, two or three films. And they feel... I this Like, you know when you feel like a film is just there to make money? Which is so weird saying it from a Pixar point of view because Pixar films... Uh, yeah. I, just, I don't know if it is. I mean, that might just be my optimism or my like oh it's pixar they wouldn't do that and clearly they have done that before. i feel like they are man cars is not a bloody i mean cars free was all right i mean like but how can you like completely re okay so here's my here's my thing right with Toy I get Story it. they're 2... rewriting a character when it, it doesn't feel necessary yeah and it's like it's not like toy story, story was can, absent yeah. of strong independent female characters you know you got jesse yeah, which was a you know a, a pinnacle part of two and three. Yeah, and so I don't I don't get the point. I think this it feels like we're like they're just like that bit of moolah, and it might not even be them. It might be Disney going like, look, we need to sell more toys. Let's make another film so get a bunch of other toys that yeah. we can then sell and repurpose. Yeah, and- no, that's fair. I mean, I like I said, I'm optimistic. Um, I see. I see what your point is. I mean, like, there's every very likely chances of any and all of those being a factor. And 
it's a sure thing film. too. You know it's going to make over it will its make budget. Money, yeah. It's going to make so much money. Make over a billion bucks because what's going to happen is it's going to the thing. The thing is because they did Incredibles two last year. Yeah. And that was one of those things of like you. You're so excited when you watch it. You're like, oh my god, it was so cool. And then you think about it, it's like, eh, it was actually pretty average. And but because of that initial hype, you know, it's been nine years since the last Toy Story. You're gonna get all that hearsay in the first week of how, oh my god, and Toy Story's back and it's amazing and it's gonna make a lot of money. Mm. Do you really yeah. think Incredibles two is only all right? I I said it rivaled the first one when I first watched it. And now I'm like thinking back and I was like, oh, definitely, yeah. It kind of has that Guardians two feel. Where I was just like, I feel like this didn't go where it could have or needed to go. It it's felt a, a little a too lot close. of time to wait too. I think they waited too long to really go back to that. I well. think the biggest surprise was that they didn't age jump all the characters, and I yes. think they really needed to do that. I agree because it was kind of pointless. Yeah, it was the it? second. So it, I it, agree. You rectify everything that the first one did, character development wise, and. No, I wow. Don't much that's, else that's to say. Really interesting to uh, bring that point up. Yeah. It's funny when you like, so like that, don't do so, a hot take. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You, you think about that, and it's like, okay, well, you want to have hope for Pixar, but it's like, but then you start thinking about, it's like, oh, what about the last few? You start thinking about sequels from Pixar too, like with the exception of Toy Story. I mean, you look at Finding Dory. Yeah, Finding Dory is average. Finding Dory, Incredibles two, admittedly so, average. Yeah, on a on a. I mean, is it... Cars 2 is shit. Bugs Life 2? It's Bugs Life 2. No, it's not Bugs Life. No way. Who knows? I wish there was, actually. Really? No. I don't know. Bugs Life's fine. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'm getting flashbacks to Hoo-Ha. One of the most, like, insightful, obscure jokes of Hoo-Ha Saturday Night was a Bugs Life slash Ants reference. And I think us two were the only Mm. ones who laughed and laughed. That would be a really cool... uh, Match up two yeah. movies being pit against each other, Bugs uh, Life versus Ants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to have a real intellectual oh, debate man. about that. So it was such a good joke on who helped. Yeah. So Stranger <laughs> Thing Stranger, Stranger Things Stranger Things season three trailer. I haven't even finished season two yet. So Season one's definitely better than season two, but season two does a pretty good job at keeping up the I've pace. Heard there's some real rough episodes. Oh, there's one there's one episode towards the end where it's essentially just like a setup for like, oh, there's other people like eleven. And it's horrible. It's a terrible episode. Oh wow! The writing is like so bad. Really? Like it just it it feels like someone off staff wrote it to be like a pilot episode. It was an intern. Yeah, it felt like the intern wrote. I was like, what is going on? Like, it's just so boring and. I really have to give it a look because just just that one episode and then it like picks back up because it's the bottle. It's literally a bottle episode, and it's yeah. But look, Stranger Things. I understand the appeal for it. I've, I mean, I've, obviously, I've seen season one and two. I really enjoyed it. Like when I binged it. But it's that thing you binge the show, then you're kind of gone. Hey, it comes back a couple years later. Do you want this to be the last season? I really do want this to be. But when you're watching the trailer, you asked. You said, "Is this the last season?" Because it kind of felt like that. And yeah, I was it like, feels it like would a last be season. Cool if it was, but I think Jack's right. I think it probably won't be. Well, that comes back to a bit of moolah. Yeah, also, well, Netflix exactly. properties too. That's another thing you got to really take into consideration. Yeah, Netflix could... will probably want that show to keep going. For as long as they physically can, because it's one of their biggest hits. Yeah, I saw it's probably pol- it's probably one of the found, founding sort of like shifts for Netflix. How they've started to move towards these bigger films and these bigger well, shows. Yeah, and I would say I mean, Stranger Things huge, was yeah. definitely one of those shows in the earlier days of Netflix a couple of years ago that they were like, "We have Stranger Things. That's our thing. Mm. What Stranger Things?" Yeah, which is actually funny because I saw a poll this morning, like the best Netflix original, and it was. 
out of everything that got knocked out, it was between that and BoJack, and BoJack actually won. Like, but, BoJack's, like, one of my favorite TV shows of all time, but I was shocked that it beat Stranger Things, just from a popularity but even, standpoint. even then, it's still the top two, so... Yeah, exactly. And they're both... I mean, I mean, BoJack is a better show. <clears throat> That's not a hot take at all. That's just the truth. I'm laying the truth on everyone. But, I mean, Netflix hit it out of the park every now and then. Yeah. They really do. And BoJack's I've, probably one of their original properties too, right? It's, like, one of the very first things they did, yeah. That sounds crazy. It was, like, Orange... House of Cards and then Bojack. I think that's what it was. It was like the first animated show. Mm. Nice. And yeah, wow. <laughs> it feels like a last season yeah. trailer, though. It, it does. I kind of wish it was the last season because it has that energy of. Well, yeah, that's the, the song of from The Who coming. playing, which is a, a yep. song that definitely ties more to like a nostalgic final push. Yeah. Definitely feels like after all of these journeys that these kids went on. Plus, you're getting into dangerous territory with kids. They're getting older. You can, you can see it now. Yeah, you can. It's starting to show. It's the Prisoner of Azkaban effect. Yeah. Except they kind of got lucky because they all grew up like at the same time. Yeah. Like, was... the puberty hit them like a brick they got a bit between lucky. the second and third film. But I think... And then they kind of just stay relatively... Just different haircuts after that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is... That they is got lucky. Because that's the whole point of why people like Stranger Things is that these... The kid actors are yeah, so good. Of, and the stories and kind of the uh, um, child ignorance that yeah. comes, like that's the whole sort of play off their characters. And if they start to get to be older... You might start losing some of that loses. charm. Yeah. And then it just becomes teenagers solving... And the know. one the one thing about, yeah, it's Scooby-Doo 80s version. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. I think the one thing season two did solidify for me is that, okay, it's not relying too much on the nostalgia factor. Mm-hmm. Because it still worked, even when they died that down. Yes. So that was like a refreshing. Okay, I'm not like mm. blinded by nostalgia here. I mean, not that I was alive in the '80s, but mm. you know, it's like when you see so much of it, especially in that first season, where it's just like that vibe, the Spielberg tone. They're throwing soundtrack after soundtrack at you. You get you're like, is this just eight? Is that why everyone loves this? What's what's going on? Mm. And I got Stranger Things early. I was on like well before like that. Exploded. You were a Stranger Things oh, hipster. Yeah, it was a Stranger Things hip. No, it was like one of those shows where like it literally like came out five minutes before I logged into my Netflix. And I was like, oh okay. And then like that week, I was like, well, okay. Boom, 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 and everyone started talking about it. It was no, that and, like one other show as well. I think yeah, I of all look. these original, it'd be really cool to do an episode maybe to like pit certain um, streaming service originals against each other. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, we're just we're just getting in a very debating mood yeah, at the moment. I'm feeling, I mean, I, mean, I want to fight. <laughs> Coming That's up why. with all these ideas. Once upon a time in Hollywood, or like Quentin Tarantino. I could not even tell you what that film's about, though. I think the the thing the I love the thing vibe I, of the trailer. Yeah, I it's mean, like it's such a shitty like thing, but you're like getting the highlights of it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, Hollywood. I, I literally cannot tell you what that film's about. Um. It's going to be great performances. Um, is this you, Leo's uh, first time in a Tarantino film? No, no because he's he Django. Right, he's in Django. Jesus, how did I think about that? I yeah. think it's both their second oh, time second. each. Oh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Brad Brad Pitt was in Inglorious Bastards. That's right. So, Margot Robbie starting off. Yes. But I, look, I, I can't really take much from it because I don't really know what it's about. I feel like it's going to be... It's just some kind of dancing and talking shit about the whole trailer. Yeah. It is a teaser trailer. 
It is a teaser trailer. So this is that. I don't really need to be sold on it though either. So, yeah, exactly. Like, well, it's like it's a Tarantino film. I, I think the, the only, vibe and the the kind of what they're doing with it. <laughs> the only thing I walked away from it was literally um, the, the seeing the ninth film, and I was like, God, that's pretentious. Like <laughs> saying like Hallmark. Ninth film. Well, they did it. They did it with um his last film, the his eighth film. Well, it's just hate eight. I know, but like, and I think eighth weight's better than. Oh, I, yeah, I'd say it's better. I, I don't like Django that much. Everyone's... To be honest, like I, it is like the pretentious thing of like, is this is a knife Tarantino film. Yes. You have to be up to date on the filmography. It's like, you feel like things like Marvel would do that more often. Yeah. Like Marvel would make less of a big deal that they're like 22 movies in now and that Marvel almost requires you to watch them in mm. that order and that kind of thing. Or even like Nolan or just other directors with like such a prestigious or quite reaccountable mm. filmography. Um, almost a discography for some reason. They're, they're, not, like, they're not bands. <laughs> I feel like this film has a very Hail Caesar vibe. Okay. Um, so I like that. Maybe. Uh, I wasn't a big Hail Caesar fan, so I don't... And I'm, I like my Coen Brothers movies, but yeah. I, I one just doesn't click with me, and I don't know where it's going to go. I'm interested... Um, well, I'm sure we'll have a good time, and we'll definitely talk about it on the podcast when it comes out. Yeah. When's it come out? July? I have no... Yeah, I think it said July, actually. Mm. Good point. Did, Interesting I think time these of year. all come out this this year. And then... Including Dora. The Explorer. And the Lost Gold shit. Poor Michael Peter. <laughs> Poor Michael <laughs> Next Peter. trailer. <laughs> Next trailer. Seriously, what... Look, it, looks, it looks, looks like Kim... Exactly possibly. what it needs to be. Yeah, that's true. You know... And this is ripped Uncharted right out of the. Well, yeah. wouldn't you? It's, if you I do mean, adore yeah. the Explorer film, I know, but it's like ugh, Tom Holland and Brian Cranston just hurry up and. Well, I think it's time make an Uncharted Jake, movie for us. Do you want to talk about John Wick? No, because I'm going to go see it. We're going to talk about it on the podcast when John you watch Wick both the, the John Chapter Wick movie. Three coming out soon. Coming out soon, soon, May. Looking forward to it. I think yeah. it's time for Jake for us to go, go, go to the movie of the week. Was a Dora pun? Was that, was that good? Just like that. I'm the map. I'm the map. Oh, my God. <laughs> With our movie of the week and our second ever directorial corner, it's time for Don John. There's only a few things I really care about in life. My body. My pad. My ride. My family. My church. My boys. My girls. And my porn. New Jersey bartender John Mattello, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, knows what's important. His friends, his family, his car, his church, his sexual conquest, and porn. In fact, John is a porn addict and has never had a genuine relationship with a woman. However, when he meets Barbara, played by Scarlett Johansson, he has to change his operating methods, because Barbara won't be bedded easily. For the first time in his life, John begins a real courtship, but his obsession with erotica threatens to ruin everything. Did you write this yourself? Me? Yeah, that little, what we just said. I mean, I I wrote, like, I got it based, it's paraphrased. Okay. I was going to say, that vocabulary, man. Good job. Thank you, thank you. Look, a lot of slick words in Shame there. Shame I can't put that stuff in my scripts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, self-shot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, All right, so this is our nice. second directorial corner. This time it was Jake's turn to pick the director of choice. And we did Joseph Gordon Levitt. He's which a, is a really interesting choice. Buddy. Well, I think I think the interesting part is that with uh, Chris Nolan, who we did in episode five with Memento. Are you on like a short name basis with 
Chris. No. Yeah, no, me and Chrissy boy, we we have a good relationship, man. You know, I pitch him some ideas, he he steals them and makes them into big, multi billion dollar oh, films, and I get salty, I get nothing from it. Nah, my boy Chris, he's he's cool. No, but when we did him, he's got this, you know, huge, super impressive filmography. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a lot of titles under his name and a lot of stuff that we can talk about. He's got an established kind of auteur style to his films yes. and the way he does stuff and you know the way his films are edited or crafted or written for example you know joseph got a levitt because he, this is his one and gun or one and only there's less we can talk about in terms of a directing style because we can't really tell what's consistent because there is nothing to be consistent about because it's his only film so well, i think that's what's going to make this episode a bit more statistics about don john statistics this budget the budget of the film was 3.5 to 5 million Sounds about right. Yeah. And grossed yeah. about forty million. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. It did pretty damn well then. Yeah, it did pretty well. It, uh... I didn't know that. I mean I knew this was like it's a got pro- a really big lineup when you think about it. It was like... I knew it was like a it was like a proper release, you know. Like when it came out, it came out. Like it was around theaters and everything. Mm. It came out that Blu ray like it was all it was a proper release, but I just figured it had this weird like it's Joseph Gordon Levin's film. He's just trying out directing, you know. Yeah, no, Which it gives it... it a smaller vibe than it actually was. What did you think? Like my first word verdict? Yeah, because well, I, I have no clue what you thought of it. Uh, okay. Oh, I'm feeling a bit of a downer this week. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Um, I wasn't too much of a fan of it. I think it's... It's... Okay. So, here's the thing. <laughs> now, it all out. My chronic issue with a lot of these types of films... These types of films dir- being... Actor-directed. Gotcha. And as someone who has done it myself, literally <laughs> done it myself, my first directing film, it was a short film, and I'm in it, and I'm acting in it, and I have too many lines. It's all right, I got to yell action cut for you in that <laughs> when you did that. <laughs> and it really... It's one of those things that you think you can do it, and you think... And I'm, I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I think yeah. he's a very good actor. But when you have to devise time, yep. you need to really hope that the people around you can, just because they're just acting, yep. can elevate the production. And the one good thing about a lot of these types of films, like Star is Born or Don John, is clearly these actors have worked with each other a lot or know each other. Yeah. So they help each other out. I mean, when, that's like, definitely the vibe. Like, I remember... Star is born. I watched his like bonus features off the DVD. I was very much like, yeah, we just hired our mates. Yeah, and like, I mean, that's the whole Bradley joke. Bradley Cooper would be set. like, I hired this guy because I like him. Yeah, like Eric Roth and like Bradley Cooper getting along. And, yeah, exactly. And I feel like it could have been just Joe, oh mate Joe, at a party oh, with Joe. Scarlett, and he's just like, yo, I want to try directing, and she's like, yeah, I'll be, be in, in your film. Yeah, be in my film. You know, we all got heaps of money. Yeah. So you know, well, that, we... definitely got that same vibe as well. Like it's all these like mates yeah in this film but and it was still a good cast oh it's a great like cast the, like the names the and cast stuff alone could there. sell a movie yeah and that's that's what helps with but i think i think that we've and i this is a pretty consistent basis i think not everyone can be a director and some people spend their entire lives still learning to be the best director they can be mm. And I feel like when you devise time to acting, which you spent most of your life acting, and then you, you know, you go, oh, I want to try both. I don't understand. 
do you really okay here's my thing big, big the big question is do you think that anyone else could have played john like, yeah so why did joseph gordon levitt need to put himself as the front man i think hmm i think instead my... of maybe being if he really wanted to be a student of you know directing, directing cinema yeah. why didn't he just be a director I think it's the same thing as um, as I think I think the case of a lot of this is they want to have that directorial control, but they don't want to go all the way and take themselves out of the picture. I think if they've got a story to tell, they're like, "Well, I can direct it and be in it mm. because you have a little bit more control that way." And I think that's what's going on here. I think Jason Godelevitt had this concept that he's mm-hmm. like, "I want to explore this," and he's like, "Well, I can be in it too." I can I can do the role. Do you think it was good acting wise in it? Absolutely. Yeah. But I feel like my my direction was my like little like I feel like a lot of here's another thing. Mm. If they are all friends and we've talked about this on our own projects yep. or even that can also make it hard too. And I think uh like people like Bradley Cooper and stuff like that who with their own uh directing gigs, a lot of them have openly admitted. I remember seeing a uh a BAFTA guru video with Philip mm. Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. And he talked about his first uh, directing gig, which he did in, like, 2007 or 2008. And um, he said, I will never... If I'm directing again, which I would love to direct again, I'm mm. not acting at it too. Because yeah. he couldn't... Because for them, it's like... It's too hard. See, at least with Don John, the one good thing is the film's a bit... It's... Not on the same level as like things like what Philip Seymour Hoffman performed in, you know, like so they like the performance, mm. like the plot is it's a clever plot. It is a clever plot, and it mm. can be quite entertaining at times. And but it's like you know getting immersed in the character. You know how they talk about it; they get immersed in their characters, and yeah. then flipping that dial is very tricky sometimes for some actors to yeah. flip out of being like I'm in this character now. I'm directing because you've got to. He he remarked it, Philip Seymour often remarked it as like it's really hard to gauge whether um my performance like like being my my performance and performing and gauging all the actors around me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And you well, as that, a director, go, that goes back to like if you're hiring your friends or hiring a cast, I mean you just said it earlier, hire a cast that you know can pull their own weight, essentially. Yeah. But then is what is that really directing at that point? Yeah. I mean that's that you've kind of sit in that middle ground, and maybe that's why Joseph hasn't gone back and made another film because it's been what six years? Six, uh, yeah, yeah, about six, six years. years. I kind of want to look. I'll see. I'll actually do it really quickly. I'll see if there's any if he's commented on it or anything like that in terms of directing again. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I really, really, really like this film. And to be honest, I mean, I've seen it a few times, and re- I rewatched it yesterday. So what do you like about the film? Um, I really, I, re- I mean, I really do like kind of the plot and the message they're going for. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting message and you know they're hitting that idea of uh, the way us as sexual beings have been represented through media and how that's kind of shaped our uh, mindset and relationships and all of that and i kind of like the arc that don john goes through it mm-hmm. i kind of like how he really is such a dickhead <laughs> in this film but yeah. I, I kind of like at the end you know again we're going through spoilers that's what we do um that at the end he has that redemptive moment. He f- kind of figures out how to have that actual relationship with someone mm-hmm. or to share, 
you know, share himself with someone and not have that kind of selfish. I do like the. Act to it. Okay, so the one thing he's taken, I feel like he's taken a psychological mindset that a lot of young men have. Yep. Um, and struggle with, and he has dialed that to eleven, admittedly. Which I think is a good thing. Yes. Because I think he's got to push it to the top to make it to really get the work. Home. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that aspect, I can see how you would enjoy this film because mm-hmm. it is a, it's got relatable, relatable like you know things yeah. that go on in in men's head, and we don't have a lot of films that really showcase that kind of almost toxic masculinity aspect. Yeah, because like, there's a lot of that here. Yeah. And then they have the exact reverse opposite yes. as well. Through Scott Hanson. Can you please say it for me? Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that's a... <laughs> that is of note. And and oh, man. what he's trying to say is is clever. And admittedly, I have to give him kudos in the sense that he took... Uh, like a lot of these uh, actor directors, when they do their first time, mm. he took an original. He got an original idea, at least yeah. as far as I concern. No, it's which, definitely like something that we haven't really seen in that way before. Which we've also talked about how, like, you know, we've talked about outside of the podcast how, like, Bradley Cooper wasn't very happy he got didn't get nominated for best director, even though he's directing a film that's been made three times before, in yeah. variations. So, is that really stepping outside of your comfort zone? Not really. It's kind of selective. Um, yeah. It's not enough to just... Whereas at least he's tackled a film that he obviously feels very strongly about. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's it's pretty... I think it's I think it's interesting because like, I mean, it, it goes back to what you said. I'm talking specifically about his character and mm-hmm. the idea that we're tackling here because they could have taken a really taboo way of telling a story like this and they don't really... They don't die back on like the sex stuff no in terms of like the porn he's watching and stuff like they don't they don't really take a set they don't shove it in your face as much as they possibly could but they don't there's definitely no hint of oh we should eh, calm down it's like no it's they show absurd, what they need to show but it's not safe yeah it's like there's a lot of people who be like oh, I don't feel comfortable watching this film there's mm-hmm. way too much like shit in my face and uh, that kind of stuff but I, I kind of like the middle ground that they found there it's no shame um, no sh- there's no shame exactly yeah. but it's not completely i don't care this film is basically a porno it doesn't do yeah. that kind of thing um but what i want to i mean you said it last week when i mentioned joseph got a lever your first thing is he has a nice smile he does he's a he's a guy that comes off very i mean he seems like this cool like chill guy and he kind of he runs um oh is it record he has like this basically production company where it's, people can it's like it's his own little YouTube film service thing, and it's called Record Something. I can't even remember. I don't know why I'm blanking. Oh, Hit Record. It's Hit Record. I hit knew record. that. Um, I remember joining that years ago. But it's really, it's really cool. I think people should check it out. But he's got his own little persona on there. He kind of runs that, and he's like, "Hey, it's me, Jessica Levitt. Let's do this." You know, that was a bad impression. Um, <laughs> but I think he has this really charming presence about himself mm-hmm. and he tends to play characters who you kind of have that shy awkwardness um but you know cute lovable kind of thing um so it's a very different character and a very different topic because i feel like he hasn't had the chance to explore this idea in any of his other films that's fair because 500 days of summer very very different character in that what's well, that um, that's actually all that was going on in my head okay i was just like 
man, this is like, see, that's like on an actorial level, I think this film is very strong. It's got a lot yeah. of very strong performances, and his performance is really strong. But how much this is comes back to that thing? How yeah. much is that direction, or how much is that just natural ability of the cast? Yeah. Because he, like, I, mean, I think, I think, I think he's a good actor's director. And yeah. he would have to be being an actor and, and doing a lot of stuff. So I think a part of that is direction. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is your issue more with where, where do your issues lie with the film exactly? I feel like, admittedly, it's this comes back to it's nice having someone who can like, sort of, when you're watching when I'm watching a film. I'm trying very hard in some ways to switch parts of my brain off. Yeah. To try and watch the film as just a film. Um, but it's it's hard sometimes. I don't know. I feel like things like what a director needs to do is they need to communicate with their actors on performance level. Mm. And, but I also think, like we've talked about, you got to speak with the camera too. And I just don't, in my opinion, I don't think a lot of the, you know, the camera work really... Like, it's not anything special. It's right, not anything okay. that really goes like, whoa, this, like, this guy knows the technology around him. He's right, using gotcha. it. So, like, it's like, I mean, it can come back to things like in, like, for example, like A Star Is Born or this film or films like it. Normally, the performances are all really strong, but it feels sometimes like these actors take, like, a good... Di- like, the DOP can hold their hand in some of it, but it would be really nice if... I feel like they knew how to use their camera more effectively and stronger because yeah. we're not disputing any of these people's acting abilities, but it, like, I don't know. I just, for me, cinematography was nothing special. And if you really want to be a really good director, you've really got to like learn to speak more, especially if you like take films that even he was in, like mm. for Christ, I mean, like he was in Dark Knight Rises and yeah. you could talk about Nolan's camera work for days or, Things like Mark Webb's, you know, 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. Where, it, like, you know, the camera is doing something completely different, but it's still complementing the world that he's in. And I feel like this film just doesn't have anything that's special. A music choice, it wasn't, you know, the music just wasn't for me, like the sound designs. Right. I, th- I think the music kind of did the same thing um, in terms of, taking it up to 11 in some places so like when they mm-hmm. go and see the romantic comedy the music's all like lovely and sweet and so over the top but then they kind of take it the other way around as well and that might just be a style um, choice maybe i might just have a style class i think here. i think it's yeah i think it's joseph Eleven really trying to hone in I, I mean it's that kind of thing when you do script writing and stuff um it's that thing of if you're going to do something dial it i mean you know, we can appreciate subtlety, but I know when it comes to like doing something for the first time, you're more encouraged to dial something to 11 instead of just dialing it to one and hoping mm-hmm. the subtlety reads for you. Well, through. And I think that's what's happening here. I, I'm going to counter you. Okay. So we're gonna, it's been, a, been an aggressive podcast, very <laughs> passive aggressive. <laughs> so, for example, a film that also, like, I mean, he's addicted to porn. He's kind of basically, would you, would you arguably say Don John is a nymphomaniac? Like, he's kind of yes. obsessed with sex. Um, I would say Steve McQueen's Shame, Shame is a stronger film that is way more subtle. Okay. And talks about very similar issues. They are literally polars. I would love for you to, for home, to watch Shame. Films. To watch okay. Shame. Okay. And they are both relatively discussing the similar things. 
I'm pretty sure Shame. I'll have to fact check it. I think that's Steve McQueen's first film too. <laughs> so um, I'm really scared. Yeah, it's a, it's a, just check uh, it Steve, now, man. I'm doing it. Steve McQueen's first film. While but, you do that, I'm actually going to read a bit about Joseph Gordon Levitt because cool. he does have a bit of a directing slash producing little little paragraph or two on Wikipedia. I know it's Wikipedia. Um, so he did direct a few shorts prior to this film. Anyway, in 2013, Gordon Levitt wrote, directed, and starred in his screenwriting and directorial debut, Don John, uh, which premiered Shit. at the Sundance Film Festival in January 2013. Following the premiere, the film was acquired by uh, Rel- Relativity? Relativity Media? Relativity, Relativia, media, I don't know, words, a company. Mm-hmm. And Gordon Levitt stated, quote, I always intended this to be a movie for a mass popular audience. Audience, Everyone told me it was a long shot. I couldn't possibly be more grateful. So there doesn't seem to be anything about um, him doing anything more. For all we know, this could have just been like the one film he wanted to do. And it's he's his second it. film, Steve McQueen's second film. Oh, okay, there you go. Fact yeah. check that. We, I think it's um, second. It's looking like second. For all we know, Gordon Levitt, this is his, like, one and done, like, I'm happy for this to be my only film mm-hmm. thing. And I feel, I mean, from a from a grossing standpoint, in terms of how much money the film made versus his budget, he totally could do it again. Yeah. Um, I think the film was, uh, yeah. he definitely received a very, it had a very low bar, but a very high, like, high positive reception. Yeah. And I think this film is, it's not a bad film by any way, stay or form, but we've had some... Absolute bangers in the last couple of weeks, Jake. Yeah. And, no, and I've get, seen, get, so, yeah. especially in the last week, we were talking about Tower and stuff like that. And, and I feel like I've seen films from people that I didn't expect to see. For example, like seeing Thunder Road and stuff like that. It kind of fits yeah. almost in our good time category of like films right. for me that it's like... Maybe I'm just watching too many films on a film podcast. Maybe I mean, that's hey, just... you know what? That's fine. Um, but I think Shame tackles this way more... I I really would. I'm encouraging you next week to watch Shame by next week and then give me your verdict on that sort of film. If mm. you think it's tonally, it I'm better. tonally off the mark by talking about that film. But they were two years set apart from each other. Shame was 2011 and Don John's 2013. And it both kind of discussed sex addiction, nymphomania, and almost that sort of toxic masculinity and vulnerability that comes with those sort of issues. Mm. And unlike... Don John, where it feels like it's still in your face, but it's not as aggressive. Shame does take it to that next level. Yeah, yeah. So that film absolutely will make you uncomfortable. Okay. It's a, it's a good like analogue, it sounds like. Yeah. Jump in there. It'll be really cool to maybe pit those two against each oh other. Oh, my God. Um, so <laughs> keep time back to it. If we name this podcast not after the movie, we'd have just called this the debate potential debates episode yeah exactly but um um i love the editing no i did too actually yeah i think uh, that actually did remind me of 500 days yet again because i think 500 days has that really stylistic kind of editing back and forth that's the funny thing and i think this actually does come back to um a lot of these actor directors i feel like they do draw from the projects they've worked on yeah there'd be a really cool like you, I absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot, forgot about it. Oh. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, I totally agree that I feel like he drew things from the films that he was apart from because yeah. he clearly liked those things. He knew that those things got positive receptions on those films. So if he, you know, it's basically it's what directors do. That is a director 101. Yeah. Homage what you like. You know, if they if a director communicates one way, you know, and you want to homage it, that's that's the way to go. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. 
I yeah, I I think that's a lot of that is what's happening here. And I think it's a, it's definitely a different kind of not necessarily a love story, but it's definitely a different kind of story in that realm of I guess love, making love to someone. Yes, you could say. Um, I think I think this film, and you could tell me if you think this is a positive or a negative, but it's a very repetitive film, and that's obviously to reflect Don John's life, in the sense that he has his like several. These are my categories of where I store my importance, and you have a very repetitive. You know the way he goes, he enters the church, and mm-hmm. the way when he's in the church or when he's, um, you know, doing his confessions, that's all shot, pretty much identically, every time it happens. Um, I mean, you can see little arcs here and there. So I feel obviously, like it hurts. It doesn't hurt the film at all. I think it actually, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, like it's 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 supposed to show his repetition in his life and how he doesn't and the changes. I think that's a. It's it's almost a motif. It's in that realm of being, you know. Yeah. So no, I don't think the repetition hurts the film. I think the pacing's pretty pretty on the money. Okay. Um, I thought the pacing was weaker than I remembered, having rewatched it again. Maybe that's the case I it, of. I think it dragged uh, a little more than I remembered it dragging before. Yeah. Maybe because I've already seen it a few times, so I kind of know the beats. I don't know. Um, I thought it ran along. It was it was a fine pace. It, it, it wasn't like slower and if he definitely kind of hit all the right notes and did what it needed to do well but um any uh any last sign-offs um for don john i don't know i mean i I definitely like the performances it's one of those cases re-watching the film like i said i've I've just noticed a lot of things particularly that i can take away in my life in terms of the the difference between those two characters obviously scarlett johansson's character and then what's what's the name of the character of Gordon Levitt. No, no, no. Um, of the girl he meets in class. Is it that Esther? he ends up with it again? Oh, I think that sounds right. Yes, I think, I it's think Esther. it is Esther. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I feel like those characters when I when I watched first watched this or the first couple of times I watched it over the last few years, um, it it definitely felt a bit more subtle to me. Now mm. watching it, I feel like I kind of know those people a bit more. That Scarlett Johansson's character and the her being very much. Uh, subtle but kind of controlling and no, 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 you need to do this or you need to do this for me. I kind of feel like I know people like that now more than I think that's the best part of our film, right? Like you can go away. Yeah, you can go back, come back. You grow and, almost as the, f- uh, and then the film grows with you even. Yeah. To an extent, you know. And I feel now, now that I've kind of hit that point, it almost was a little too on the nose. Like I, mean, I always thought, because um, I know with Barbara, that's it. I always felt Barbara was... A little more complex than now rewatching it. It's like, mm, okay, no, she actually feels a bit more two dimensional than I remember, and she's kind of, she's just kind of straight up a bitch. So it's <laughs> like it literally just basically turns out to be, oh, she's incredibly hot, but she's a bitch. Yeah, and I remembered it being a little more complex than that the first time I watched it, um, which is quite interesting. And then obviously you have but Esther, you who's way more chill. This film. Absolutely. I mean, I really, I still really, really enjoy this film. It's definitely a bit more intense if you're a bit more of a conservative person. There's a lot mm. of pornographic stuff in there, just letting you know. But it all is in service of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character arc, and I think he's, I think, I think he definitely got what he needed out of this film in terms of him wanting to direct something, get that kind of bug out of his chest. I think he did what he needed to. Did you have a favorite scene or a highlight scene? 
Not really. Not really. Yeah. Um, I think it's because it's repetitive. It's yeah. I like like it's a lot of the same. Maybe, maybe I like the beats of the film, but there's not like that real like. No, we've talked about some of these scenes that you just sit there and you really take in that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, that one scene. Like, I can literally, if you said to me, it's like, oh, what's the the scene from Roma that sticks with you? And it's just that bit when she's sitting in the theatre after she said Yeah, she's... Roma has multiple moments like that. You have the yeah. one in the theatre, you have when the forest is kind of burning down. Hell, even the, the scene where she gives birth. Yeah. Like, there's so many scenes that are like, wow, that hits And I you. think that's the thing. I've really struggled these last couple of weeks with, with good time and... A good time at least has that opening scene where it's like it just sits in your head and you'll. Oh yeah, that's a great scene. Um, I don't know. This film just this film's not even a bad film. I'm not angry about this film either. Yeah. Like a couple of weeks ago when we had Captain Marvel, I was audibly annoyed by watching that film. Yeah. But this film just doesn't have. It's it's a performing. It's honestly a, a performing masterclass in a lot of ways. Okay, it's yeah. just a lot of these actors really showcasing a different. A lot of them are different aspects. A lot of, of the themselves. Boston accents going there. It was Jersey, isn't it? It's Jersey oh, sorry, accents, you're right, Jersey. Yeah, Barbara um, gave me a Boston vibe though. Really? Oof. Yeah, accent. It's, 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 oh, maybe very, no. You're right. No, that is a Jersey but, accent. No, you're yeah, right. I'm like getting my wires crossed right now. Mate, I know I'm just terrible. No, no, mate, but um, mate. Don John's yeah. out. I'd honestly give it a watch, but it is. It's a, it's it's good because it doesn't overstay its welcome in my opinion. Um, it's yeah, it's an it's a solid ninety minutes. I think it's ninety it's on a straight ninety. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd give it a watch. Um, if you like a film that will probably give you a couple of laughs occasionally. Yeah, you'll and, get a few laughs out of it. And it's an when he punch, when he punches the window, and the guy. See, that's another moment I can take now. It's like punching windows. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, <laughs> so you need stupid. to be a bit older though. I think it, though, I one thing I'd like I'd like to say just before I sign off is yeah. I feel like the film was marketed wrong when it came out because I remember when this film came out, I feel like it was marketed way more at a juvenile audience, and I don't think it's for mm. a juvenile audience. Okay, I feel like a juvenile audience would really like. Oh, so cool. They th- yeah, but uh, that's what I think. I think this film at its peak mm. is for older audiences, not. Not younger audiences. Yeah, and that's, that's fair. I think, um, yeah, the more the older I get, the more I think about this plot. It is because I just remember thinking like, wow, that's like that's a really awesome thing that you know Jessica Levitt's done. And the more I think about it, it's, like, uh, it's it gets more obvious when I think about it in terms of the arcs and you're getting old and cynical, Jake. Getting old and cynical, and it does feel a little more obvious looking back on it. But then again, it's like maybe it wasn't at the time. Yeah, fair oh, call. it's a message that not a lot of people. I mean, I certainly didn't like look at things that way um, at the time, especially because well, I mean, how it. how old would I have been when I first watched it? Say I watched it in like sixteen. Yeah, no, no younger than sixteen. Yes, definitely that, um, and definitely no older than eighteen. Yeah, so that would have been around then that I watched it, which is a pretty good, interesting time to watch. Yeah, it at I that point, honestly I would, would say, say so. this film. You probably got a more realistic depiction of this film now on your second viewing than you would have on your first viewing. Yeah, well, that's um, the thing. It's it, even calling it my fourth or fifth viewing or something like that. Oh, wow. But this is the first time I've really felt differently about it. I always felt the same first, second, third time I watched this. Now I watch them, like, oh, I feel differently about this. Hmm. Not that, not that I'm necessarily giving like a lower grade or anything like that, but um, it does feel a little more obvious now. 
a lot of the choices that were made. It's like, oh, I can see how we got to that point. But then again, there's a lot of films that don't do the obvious thing and still fall flat on their face. That is definitely true. there's that. Well, Don John is out in wide release. You can get it on Blu-ray. I do think it used to be on Netflix. It's not anymore. Not sure. It probably is on a streaming service somewhere, but it is out in wide release. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. So, new in cinemas this week. Pretty big week, actually. Um, Dumbo. Mm. Are you excited for Dumbo? No. (laughs) Michael Keaton's in it. No. Danny DeVito's in it. Um, There's an elephant in it. There's an elephant in it. No, do not care. That's the new film by... What's his name? Some person. The guy does all the... the, Tim Burton. That's it. Oh, really? Tim Burton directed this one. Oh, okay. Lucifer. Not sure what that is. Uh, five feet apart. <laughs> but that's only just coming out. That's yeah, coming out this week. I thought that was it's been out for like ten years. <laughs> Your the trailers have definitely been out for ten years. <laughs> oh. Apparently. And us, the new Jordan. Us, I Peele really film. want to see. That is the film of the week. I eh? really want to see us. I'm looking forward to that. But that's not what we're watching next week, is no, it? No, we're, we're watching very something else. For this. Episode eleven. So next week on the show, we've got Fighting with My Family, Stephen Merchant's directorial debut. Woo-hoo! Congratulations, Steve Merchant. Yeah! I'm watching that. Give me another room. No! Give it. It's off! Zach, what the bloody hell do you think you're doing? You really want to choke her out in a lot of fingers? Yeah. Now pull it tight. Oh, yeah. Now she's in trouble. Born into a tight knit wrestling family, Paige and her brother Zach are ecstatic when they get a once in a lifetime opportunity to try out for the WWE. The film is directed by first-time director Stephen Merchant and stars Dwayne Johnson, Nick Frost, Lena Headley, and Florence Purge. Hell to the yes. I'm no. really excited for that one. I'm so excited for this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like half tempted to literally say to you, do you want to go see it after this podcast? Is it out like... Right now. It's out right now. So maybe we'll go see it. I unfortunately can't today. Oh. I gotta bounce after this, but yeah, absolutely. This week we're gonna yeah. we'll grab a couple of people. Oh, yeah. I just hit my back. I think it's got a budget of about thirty oh, million. Um, it's been getting good. a lot of good reviews. Had a run at Sundance. Now it's in wide release in cinemas. So, um, very excited to see it. Yeah, bit of a wrestling fan, like my wrestling. So, like a good old wrestling. And watching Dwayne Johnson literally play himself—that sounds silly and funny. It so, sounds pretty great. I, haven't, I mean, I haven't been wrestling since I was like, what's a, one, what's a, what's a one digit number? No, I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Like, I'm excited for this. But, um, probably yeah. way less depressing than The Wrestler that came out about 10 years ago. Oh, man. Um, am I thinking of The Fighter? That's boxing, though. That's also it? depressing. Um, <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, that's such a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. I like that movie. I'm a sport Are those movie Jersey. Guy. Are those Jersey accents? No, they're as well? Boston. That is Boston. See what I mean, dude? That's a Boston See, accent. See, it gets tricky, okay? Well, I mean, you just got <laughs> to know right, your accents. Is... No, well, I can't do accents either. You know, I'm just terrible. Well, Jake, thank you for coming in for another week. Oh, well, thank Episode you. Episode 10. Thank you for coming in. Steve. Thank you for doing Director's Corner this thank week. Thank you for doing Director's Corner. Oh, it, was, it was a good time. I'm looking forward to our next one. It's a very polite people. Yeah? yeah. No? We've got some cheeky plans for Episode 15. Yes. Looking to have a guest in for that one. It's going to be yes. fun. I have to approach him about it. Yeah. Anyway, this it's was the heat. Cinema Sideshow. We're narrowing it down. <laughs> I was Zeke Morganheim. I was Jake Diagrella. And we'll catch you next week with Fighting With My Family. 